Yes, we're back. This is the Dish Pig. I'm your host, Nick Sherry. Thrilled to be back for another week. I've been looking into the data. We're reaching people as far as Angola here at the Dish Pig. So thank you for all the support. Remember, you can find us on Instagram. Follow us at the underscore dish underscore pig. Give us a like, a follow, rate us, review us. We even set up an email as well. Ask at dishpigpodcast.com. Send us a note, ask us some questions, suggestions, recipes, anything you like really. Well, it's great to be back. This week we're talking to a heavy hitter in the Australian spirits industry, Sebastian Costello. He's got a bar here in Melbourne, Australia called Bad Frankie. And we sat down with him. We're actually sitting inside Bar Frankie. We're, we're on location today. Uh, Seb or Sebastian? Sebastian's good. Seb's good. Sebastian. Sebastian Costello, owner Bad Frankie here in it is Fitzroy, right? This side of this side of Smith Street, Fitzroy. That's right, it's Fitzroy. Yeah, we'd never be seen in Collingwood, mate. It's twenty meters away. Twenty meters away. Dodgy plays Collingwood in Melbourne. Dodgy plays. That's right. That's right. Um, mate, thanks for thanks for being here. Thanks for chatting. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having us. Um, so let's take it back a bit. Well, actually, first off, what was the last thing you cooked for yourself? Just cooked some jaffles here right now. We just had a few jaffles. Um, Classic cheese and then the meat pie. Classic cheese is fantastic. We did about 30 different um, cheese and bread combinations to get this jaffle going. 30 different combinations. Yeah, Michelle Boyle, the chef at the time, she um, is an excellent chef and she banged it out. So Philip's bread and then we get uh, cheese from Tullamarine, Alba, Alba cheese. Mozzarella for the stretch, cheddar for the taste. Fantastic. I was going to say, so like, you know, I mean, we'll, we'll get into to Bad Frankie itself a bit later about how it's, you know, Australian products only, but I imagine that also goes for the food in terms of 30 different cheeses, 30 different Australian cheeses for the Jaffles? Nah, two. Two cheeses. Two different cheeses. Oh, no, but, but, but you tried... You tried oh, yeah, the, sorry, we tried yeah. 30. Yeah, yeah, all local, all local Melbourne stuff. Yeah. Yep. Because that's what we wanted to do, you know, get close to Melbourne, get close to Australia, yeah. That's good. And um, for those out there that probably don't know what a jaffle is, because there might be a couple, mm. explain what a jaffle is for, for well, everyone. It's a toasted sandwich with crimped sides. So it cuts in half and then, uh, and then yeah, you've got all the beautiful filling inside that's all, all uh, enclosed. It's very good. You can call them, I think in, uh, they're called toasty pies in New Zealand. Okay. Uh, South Africa, they're called snackwiches. Uh, sorry, yeah, snackwiches. And then uh, just toasties in England. But yeah, right. Yeah, I think it's like champagne and, you know, uh, sparkling wine, you know, all toasty. <laughs> <laughs> to be a jaffle, it's got to be crimped where, you know, you can call it a toasty, but then if it's a crimped toasty, it's a, it's a jaffle. Well, uh, the, 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 the whole purpose of this podcast is to, is to really go on a discovery of, of learning stuff. And you've actually just taught me something because the, the crimping of the bread is what you're saying makes it a jaffle. I never I knew think, that. I think so, yeah, yeah. I think so, yeah. They started in um, Belgium, I think, where they had like circular ones and they were they were rounded crimped on the edge. So, yeah, okay. I think the crimping really helps it. Yep. Fantastic. You've got to seal the edges. That that turns it into a jaffle. There you go. <laughs> well, um, tell us where – I mean, where did you grow up? Where's, where's Seb from? Yeah, so I'm from Canberra, um, a suburb called McGregor. 
Um, yeah, grew up there. Uh, lived there till I was about thirty odd. Um, yeah, lived with my mum and dad and, and four other brothers and sisters. Had a fantastic time. We yep. just ran around the backyard most of the time. Cruised around, played down the lake, threw rocks in the lake. Obviously, or the, sorry, the creek. Threw rocks in the Ginandera Creek. Had a great time. It, just, it sounds like a, a beautiful Australian upbringing. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. A lot of playing, a lot of hanging around. We had lots of like good friends in the area, good neighbours, and yeah, it was really good, really, really fun. We just cruised around. You'd get like walk down the street, see your mates, and yeah, it was really good. And then, so thinking back back to your time growing up in Canberra, you know, guys in your neighbourhood, girls in your neighbourhood, you know, growing up in in that environment was was there a certain I don't know, like, you know, education path, career path that, like, a lot of people would, were, were looking to take or was it a bit, a bit random? Like, did you really have any idea at, you know, say, a teenage, teenage years um, what you kind of wanted to do with, uh, with your career? Yeah, I suppose I sort of fell into hospitality is probably the, the best way to put it. I sort of, um, yeah, I, I suppose growing up how I did was very, was very community-orientated and very... Um, probably hospitality orientated, you know, there was always food and drink around, um, there was always parties, there was always good times, you know, so I think, and, you know, growing up with four brothers and sisters as well, you know, you're always sort of in it and you're always having a chat and you're always working at it, working each other out, so I suppose that probably lends itself well to hospitality, I get a lot of good vibes off people and, and get a lot of energy off people, so yeah, I think that's a huge part to play in, in why I started doing hospitality, but then... Uh, I really just fell into hospitality when I was 18 and my um, my dad used to work at a leagues club um, just down the road mm-hmm. and he's, he was the marketing manager there and then I saw I, um, I did my, uh, what you call it, you know, your... Uh, like a, like, not like an apprenticeship, like a, but... No, nah, it was just like a week, you know, when you do, uh, when you finish year 12, you go somewhere, do like a oh, work like, experience. Oh, like work experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah sorry, yeah. work experience. So I did, I did work experience at a leagues club and then... Uh, got hired after that and then went overseas and started working over there and yeah so that was it so I just started working in hospitality and and you know found my way that way did you ever I mean you, you did your work experience like you were saying but did, did you was there ever a, a moment where there was something else that was of interest or another path that was kind of you know in sitting there on the side like oh yeah I could go and do I don't know you know become an accountant whatever like something else that was just kind of yeah, not an option. Not, not so much. I think um, studying in year eleven and twelve is probably a good thing uh, to give you more career options. <laughs> so I probably didn't do as well as a lot of other people uh, in school. It wasn't my bag. Yeah. Um, so I probably had a, a little bit uh, less sort of career path. Um, but look, I've really enjoyed hospitality. I get a lot of energy out of it. I really enjoy it. Um, got a lot of good friends. So I didn't really ever think to do something different. Um, so yeah, so I just sort of was lucky enough to find something that I liked early. And I think, you know, I've, I've spoken to a few people about this already, but it, it, it really has a lot to do with one's personality. You know, like if, if, if you enjoy meeting people, you know, you, like you said, you enjoy the energy of, um, mm. you know, bouncing off others. It's, it, it's a, it's a big contributor to that. Yeah. hundred percent. You know, like if you like, if you like that, you know, um, being in a party, enjoying it and that sort of stuff, if you like a night out, hospitality is fantastic, you know, so you know, I, a lot of the time I'll sort of finish a work on Saturday night and just be like, how good was that? You know, like it felt like a night out because, you, you know, you, you're in oh, – and a good mate of mine, Stevie Rezzo, once said, no, I think this was an excellent thing he did. He, uh, I said, hey, you know, we're getting slammed at this bar called Parlour, which is a, which is a restaurant in Canberra. Um, and I said, hey, Stevie, how's your night going? He said, oh, mate, it's a belter. 
He said, and he didn't talk about tables. He said, I'm in that party and I'm in that party and I'm in that party and I'm in that party. <laughs> and he was like, instead of talking about tables, he just talked about different parties he was in. <laughs> so he'd finish the night and he'd be like, hey, Sammy, I had the best time. I went on a hot date and then I, you know, then I had a 40th and then I did this and did that. And he, literally every single party he felt like he was in. And so that's, you know, that's, if you're looking at it that way, like you're not going to have a bad time in hospitality. That's a, that's a really positive way to look at, you know, look at it. He was a very positive man. Don't worry about that. <laughs> so, so, so you got your start in Canberra. Mm-hmm. Um, you're 18 years old. Mm-hmm. You're, you're off to the races. Was, was there ever, once you were in it, was there ever a plan of like, all right, you know, I'm, I'm going I'm, 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 I'm to learn the business here. I'm going to work in as many places as I can. And then eventually I'm going to open up like my own bar and this, and this is what I'm going to do. Was it, was, was it ever that clear or was it a bit of a, you know, I'm just going to fart around and kind of see what comes of it? Oh, yeah, I suppose it was pretty clear. I went overseas when I was 19. Um, oh, okay, so, yeah. you, so, you, okay, so straight so, away you... Pre- yeah, yeah, straight away I went overseas uh, playing cricket in uh, Oldley Edge, which is like near Manchester in, in, in the UK. Oh, okay. Um, and then, yeah, got a bar job as well uh, there, and that was a bar called the Braz at Brazingamans, which was good. Um, and that really sort of taught me, um, you know, fine sort of like a lot of really good cocktail stuff and, um, you know, really good service. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the drinks were probably today, today's standard, not great, but they were really spot on at the time, you know, early 2000s. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that taught me a bit. And then I came back home and, and started working um, for a guy called Kieran and Nick um, who had a couple of bars in Canberra. And that was that was really fantastic. And, and um, I worked with a, a dear friend of mine and probably my mentor, Bri- well, definitely my mentor, Bria Sydney. And we um, and she sort of owned a few bars, and we worked. I worked in there with her, um, and that really got me going and working in hospitality. So yeah, I really you know haven't really looked back. And what what was the um, what was the point where you decided to leave Canberra? Like what 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 brought you down to to Melbourne? Or yeah, so my uh, beautiful girlfriend at the time, and now my wife. Um, so she wanted to move down, and I thought, well, fantastic, let's go. Um, she wanted to live in North Melbourne and I'm a mad North Melbourne fan. So she was like, I really love North Melbourne. And I was like, oh yeah, right. Okay. Well, if we go down, we're going to live there. And she said, no worries. So I <laughs> got to live next to Arden Street for a little while. Oh, so dream, dream come true. Oh mate, it was the best running around all the time. <laughs> go over, watch, you know, watch, watch uh, the training every week. Oh, that's right, mate. Go boys. <laughs> just running around the track, just hoping to get a bait, but I uh, never got, never got drafted. But um, no, yeah. So we, we moved down when, when we were 30. Um, so we've been here about 10 years now um, and it's been fantastic. You know, Melbourne, Melbourne's a really lovely place and we really enjoy it. We've found a lot of really good friends here and the, the hospitality environment in, in Melbourne is really first class as well. And when you – so you arrive in Melbourne, you're 30 years old. Did you, did you have a plan in place then as to what you were going to open here, what you were going to do here? What was – where where were you at? Yeah, so when we, so when we came down, I really um, I really wanted to get sort of my my wife works in uh, IT, uh, so she she was doing nine to five job. I really wanted to start doing a bit more nine to five, so I started working for Suntory as a sales rep. Um, that was really good. Got to know a lot of people. Yeah. Um, got to got to really experience the, the Melbourne culture and and the good thing about being a sales rep or something like that is you get to go and drink at all the great bars for free. Really, <laughs> so I Perfect. went around. Yeah, so I went around and, and got to know everyone in the in the hospitality scene and and had a really really cracking. I think it was about a year or so, 
and just yeah really got to know like Melbourne inside out and that sort of stuff so I had a really good time that's all I really wanted to do um and then and then I started seeing um that Australian spirits were sort of popping up here and there there was a couple West Winds was a big one uh Lark was Lark was a whiskey coming out of Tasmania so there was a couple of things like that and I sort of thought to myself geez that'd be nice to sort of start doing an Australian spirits thing or like just you know try and help those guys um you know get bigger and get better yeah uh so we yeah sort of i'd never really i thought i thought owning a bar would be great but i never really had an idea for it um and then sort of this one came up and i thought well let's have a crack at it so so i was i actually i did a little bit of research about you and um you you were on a trip to the us and mexico was it where the initial the initial idea came from talk talk us through talk us through this uh yeah so that was awesome adventure so i was um I was with a mate of mine who uh, got married over there, Greg Patton um, and Crystal, uh, really lovely mates, schoolmates of mine, and uh, we went over for a trip for a couple of months. And I was in uh, I was in Kentucky, and uh, you know, as most um, bartenders want to do, is you'll always go to the great bars and you'll always go to distilleries. And poor Ellie, uh, my wife, she always says she always says whenever we go anywhere, you'll find a distillery and we have to go to it. <laughs> <laughs> and so like, exactly, yeah. of course. Yeah, exactly. Why not? So you know, we, we wherever we go, we go to a distillery. And so um, yeah, I, I was lucky enough to go down to Kentucky and, and spend it. Well, we we're in uh, Nashville. We spent a few few days there and. I went up to Woodford Reserve, went mm-hmm. to, um, and then went down to Jack Daniels and that sort of stuff, and just had the best time. And when I was in Nashville, I was cruising around, you know. Obviously, bought a pair of boots, fantastic. <laughs> Didn't buy a hat, unfortunately. No hat, but, no, boots, no but hat. no hat. Boot, uh, boots, but no hat. But then I was, you know, getting into all the honky tonks, having a great time, like really trying to live the life. Um, and I, I said to everyone, like, what's the quintessential? What's the actually? What's the best burger in Nashville? Mm-hmm. And everyone said, go to this place called Rotiers. It's awesome. And I said, oh, okay. So anyway, out of out of the twenty people I asked, nineteen said go to Rotiers. So I went to Rotiers. You know, neon signs everywhere. There was like someone filling up your filter coffee, calling you doll. And I was just like, yeah, this is it. So I ordered a burger, got like a local beer, and I just sat there and ate it. And, and, and drank it and I was like this is awesome this is like what what people do here you know and it's I a think, it's a good moment when you find that you know the yeah the best thing in town yeah and you're just enjoying it yeah and when you travel like that's what I always love to do so mm. um so we did that and I was just sitting there going this is the best you know and I had a little bourbon and I was thinking to myself do you know what when I go back to when I go back to Melbourne I'm gonna open a um I'm gonna open a burger joint you know and and I got back here and there was, um, you know, there was already burger joints. And a couple of days after the Nashville thing, I went, I went down to um, Tequila, the town of Tequila. Yep. And, you know, rolling hills and like, you know, all these little tiny places, people just drinking tequila all the time, you know, um, going to the big square and having a dance and all sorts of stuff. And I was drinking tequila and I was having tacos off the street, you know. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, how good is this, you know, when I go back to Melbourne. <laughs> I'm gonna have, light bulb. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be having a Mexican joint, you know. And I got back and I was like, "This is awesome," you know. Um, but there was already Mexican joints and there was already burger joints. And I thought to myself, "Well, look, I've got a broad Australian accent, you know. I've you know I've, I've lived in Australia most of my life. Like, why don't we try and do that? Because mm. the best thing about those places was it was people who were there who lived it. You know what I mean? So you weren't. You weren't getting told this was amazing, you know, by somebody. You were actually – you were just going into their lounge room or going into their life and, and, you know, they were showing you what happens around here and what's happened here for ages. So 
yeah, that's what we sort of tried to do with Bad Frankie. And so, 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 so you decide to start uh, Australian. So it's Australian spirits only. Yep. Australian beer, Australian wine. Yep. The I guess you know, like the the, the Australian wine and beer thing of it all seems like a no brainer. It's like you know, there's plenty of plenty plenty of wineries in yeah, Australia, yeah, yeah, yeah. plenty of breweries, and but when it comes to Australian spirits. It, it seems like it's it's an it's an area that is still still growing um, immensely, but the, I mean, ha, how many distilleries? Because I mean, you opened Bad Frankie, what two thousand fourteen? Yeah, yeah, we opened in two thousand fourteen. In June two thousand fourteen, there was twenty distilleries in in, it, in, in, the, in the in all Australia. of Australia. Yeah, so we, we I spent probably um, six months trying to research them all. We found about twenty. Wow, um, there was about eighty spirits on the on the back bar. Yeah, um, yeah, and then it sort of grew from there. So last year, um, I think there's uh, there, well, there's definitely over three hundred distilleries now in Australia, um, and over a thousand products. So it's pretty awesome to see the growth in in just six years or seven, nearly seven years. That's an incredible growth. Yeah. So, well, as, as you said, you know, with that wine and wine and beer, you know, like how local. How there's now you know a thousand breweries and a thousand wineries in Australia or whatever it is you know there's wherever you go there's a winery wherever you go there's a boutique beer. Well, I, I actually think it's it's the same with spirits now. You know, like we had the wave in the eighties with the wine. You know, there was hardly any wine. Everyone was just drinking you know probably ports and cherries or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then you know, and then the table wine revolution happened, and there was a whole heap of little like wineries popping up all over the place in the eighties and early nineties. And then with the beer thing in, in the 2000s, 2010, you know, everybody was opening a brewery and, and it was awesome, you know, like how good was it? Like, you know, starting with sort of Mountain Goat and Little Creatures and now yep. going into like all these different ones. Um, well, I think this is just the wave of spirits, you know, like uh, that happened, wine happened, beer happened, now spirits is happening. So it's, yeah. pretty, cool. it's pretty cool to see. It makes, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. But have you seen during this growth, have you seen – any instances where you know maybe the quality is either dropping off or isn't as good across the board, or or you know are, are there some that are popping up? You know, I mean, t- you know, I, I was speaking to to James from Tequila Trombra about this. Like, you know, every celebrity just wants to have a tequila brand these days. Are there are there anyone that you kind of come across that's I'm not saying you have the name names or anything, of course, but you know, I, yeah, I, I, I just want to I just want to have a spirits label, so let's just you know start a distillery and just start you know pumping out pumping out a bit of crap. Is that yeah. is that happening as well? I'm lucky enough to be the judge of the uh, the head judge of the Australian Distilled Spirits Awards put on by the uh, Royal Agricultural Society of Victoria, and we judged um, 620 spirits this year. Oh, Six hundred twenty Australian spirits. Australian spirits. Yep. Yeah, yep. Across across every every range of spirits, and I would say that probably probably less than five percent, less than two percent actually were, were were not great. You know. Oh, okay. Um, the rest were all very drinkable, so it's really good. We've got a really baseline spirit, like baseline, really good quality Australian spirits. So, uh, uh, look, the, the the quality is is absolutely there. Like. Maybe the maybe the style might not be to your liking, mm-hmm. but the quality is there, which is great. And and I think as a as an industry, we're only a small industry at the moment. I'm hoping to be bigger, but as an industry, I think we all look at each other and 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 really make sure that we're all doing the right thing. Where do you think that? Where do you think that quality is coming from? Is it you know because you kind of notice that in smaller population countries or you know countries that focus a lot on their agriculture and and, and their products that across the board products are just better whether it's the quality of the water 
the quality of I don't know, you know, the, the barley you put mm. into um, um, a spirit or, or, or whatever ingredient it might be. Is it is it the access to quality products or is it the care that these distillers are actually putting into making the spirits? Yeah, probably a, a little bit of both combination. Like with the whiskies, you know, they a lot of the time they're young whiskies. They're big. They're vibrant. You know, they're they're you know they're big rich barley you get a lot of that malt characteristic coming through you get because it's hot you get a lot of the barrel contact so i think that adds to a really flavorful whiskey um you know and some people might think it's too much um but that's the style we're going for so if you like that style then you'll really like australian spirits Mm. with um with the gins like uh they get most of their base spirits out of two really wonderful distilleries um so you've if you've got your baseline spirit which is really good then you can sort of add the botanicals on top of that and so you're not going to get a terrible product if you've got that baseline that's going really well. So I think that helps with the, with the gins. And then the other thing as well is because most of these distilleries are one or two people who are usually selling at cellar door, mm-hmm. they can't get away with being like, oh, we'll just put it on a shelf and someone else will have to deal with it. So they're sitting there day in, day out, pouring it for people. And if people are looking at it going like, oh, it's gross, <laughs> then, you know, you'll, you'll aim to get better. Yeah. So I think because they've got that – because every distiller has got that personal contact with the customer, they want to do it for the customer. So, you know, like I think really bad stuff and all that sort of cutting corners really happens when – you know, you don't have the – you're not at the end product. You're not at that customer level. But because we're – like a lot of these distilleries are so small, then you, you get that sort of situation where they go, taste this. Okay, great. I'm getting feedback straight away. So I can't just make it shit. Who do, who do you think it was that really put Australian spirits kind of on the map? Even if, even if they're – I mean, are they on the map yet from a, from, from a global perspective? Yeah, so probably, um, look, I think you've got to talk different categories when you're talking about this sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, I think with gin, I really think uh, Westwinds, uh, Jason and um, Jason and Jeremy did an excellent t- job with putting it into bars, putting it into bars, putting it into Melbourne bars, putting it into really good Melbourne bars. Um, so Westwinds was a really big, big key player in that. With, with the gins. And they're based out of WA, is yeah, it? Yeah, they're d- based out of WA, yeah. So they've, they've done really well. They've changed up in the last couple of years, but um, like when it was that t- sort of 2010 sort of time to 2015, they were really pushing it and pushing it to the right people. Um, so that went really well. Um, with the whiskies, like you've got to be looking at, you've got to be looking at Bill Lark. He was, he's the mm-hmm. godfather. He's an amazing fella and so friendly and so lovely, you know. So I think he was, he was the big part for, for whiskey, especially Tasmanian whiskey. Um, so you've got to look at him. Um, Patrick Maguire, obviously winning best whiskey in the world with the Sullivan's Cove French oak. I think that made that made people look at Australian whiskey. Yeah, because really that, 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 that's the one thing that that I kind of gravitate towards. Because I mean, from from the press that I was reading, well, at least that I was exposed to, that's the one that really started to started to pop. Yeah, you know, that, that was getting a, some international recognition. That was a huge turning point. Like I've, I've talked to Patrick about that on on a couple of occasions, and he was saying, you know, I was walking into I was walking into bottle shops myself as the distiller, saying like, can you buy this for one hundred and ten dollars? And like they're like, no way, mate. It's just Australian whiskey. No one cares. And then overnight, you know, he, he just got phone calls and got absolutely <laughs> wiped out of whiskey. And that bottle went from overnight. It went from one hundred and ten dollars a bottle to five hundred and fifty dollars a bottle. And then wow. You know, and then just kept going up. So if you've got one of those now, you know, worth fifteen thousand dollars a bottle, you know, and fifteen grand now. Yeah, roundabout, I'd say. So, jeez, like 
you know, like I think overnight it sort of went from, you know, oh, Australian whiskey's not that great to, oh, wow, actually there is something happening here. So that was a real turning point in, in Australian whiskey, I think anyway. Um, and, yeah, so I think that's got to obviously be a massive credit to the industry. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, you've got to look – like I think with every category, you're probably looking at different people who have, have done really well with it. Um, you know, with Brandy, St Agnes is obviously doing really, really good things. Uh, with rum, you've got to look at Spike Desert, who is this, you know, absolute character, absolute wonderful man. Where's, a, where, where, where are they based? Spike Desert's up in or Kununurra. So unfortunately he passed a couple of a couple of years ago. Okay. But he was a, you know, large in life character, you know, like he'd just be he'd just be smoking darts every time you saw him. He's, you know, wearing a big hat, having a great time. Um, and you know, he really made absolutely fantastic rum and also pushed the industry to where it is now. Um, so he was excellent. And then St Agnes is in Renmark, South Australia. So they they're fifth generation brandy distillers. And they're doing they're doing awesome things with the brand. Fifth generation, fifth generation, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're um, they're great, great, whatever it is, great, 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 great grandfather, yeah, um, was in Adelaide and then and then went up the Murray to start start making wine up there. See, they're the kind of things you forget about. Like you know, like you say, like in two thousand and ten is when things really started to kind of happen for Australian spirits. But when you've got sixth generation um, branded distillers just out there, you know, in Australia, there's. There must be many others that have been going for many years that have just been flying under the radar. Yeah, look, I think um, it's been really good. So when we started, you know, 2014, we're getting this renaissance of Australian spirits, 20 distillers, all that sort of stuff. Um, no one really looked at the history of it. And we tried to look at a fair bit of the history, um, you know, to see where any distilleries were. You know, there's a massive distillery called Coriah down in um, Geelong, just just north of Geelong. Yeah. You know, there was a couple of little distilleries here and there and, couple of behemoths in melbourne as well um federal distilling was in it was in um was in melbourne and so you know we thought we had no history at all but then we're slowly piecing together the fact that we did actually have some pretty big distilleries and pretty good distilleries in australia um and you know a good mate of mine luke mccarthy and another good mate of mine max allen are doing really good history work on you know figuring out the story of of australian spirits because obviously Fantastic. when you miss a couple of generations or you miss one generation, then no one knows those stories. So these guys are bringing them to life, which is really good. So, yeah, Luke's, on, Luke's got this um, uh, website called The Odds Whiskey Review and that's well worth a read. I read that all the time. Yeah. And, you know, that's just giving this really insight into how good the Australian industry was. Um, yeah. So, When it comes to Australian spirits, how... How hard is it to get people to drink them? Now, I mean, like, you know, if, if you just get like, you know, your average punter that comes in the door and they've been used to drinking, you know, like American whiskeys growing up, like just, you know, your basic kind of stuff. And, and, and this might lead into a bit of a chat about price tags, but um, is, it, is it a hard thing to do? Is it a hard thing to convince someone, you know what, let's try this local spirit? Yes, it's twice the price whatever you know whatever it might be what's that conversation like yeah so um well it's it's interesting for us so we're bad Frankie. we're off the like a uh, we're off the side of a major street you know i was mostly doing all the work here um so you know we made sure that the prices were were reasonable um so we didn't really have a need to have a chat about that but um but 
what we did is we we made sure that we wanted to have an experience around it because I believe that experience around drinking is is a massive part of it. Um, you know, if you read Max Allen's books, Intoxicating, um, that is a really good book to say like experience is actually better than the drink. So like you know, if you're sitting around having a chat with people, if you're in a nice spot, if you're in you know it's the right lighting, it's the right temperature, you know someone's coming over and telling you this is this is a spirit that you know has been made by my friend, then you'll drink that and you'll look at it a lot differently. Mm. And that's what we wanted to do. So you know, like you can go down the road and get a vodka lime and soda from anywhere, and that that'll taste okay, you know. But I, I have really vivid memories of every time I got into a new spirit. Like you know, when I got into rum, I was, I was in, um, where was I? I was in Rome, and there was these like, um, there was these like Cuban dudes just making drinks behind the bar, and they were having the best time, and they were making mojitos with fresh lime, and you know, I was in Rome, and I was having the best time, you know, and I was like, oh, how good is this rum, you know? Yeah. And then you know, with whiskey, I'd, I'd I went to Scotland and had an Ardberg in in you know in Edinburgh, and I was like, oh my god, this is this is life changing, you know, <laughs> heaven, so I, yeah, heaven. <laughs> exactly. So and you know, and so I think every sort of I think we wanted to really be conscious of that, where, where it wasn't just the drink, it wasn't just um, you know taste this blind or taste this you know as you have it and there's your drink. We actually gave a story behind it. We gave a reason why you'd want to drink it. You know, and we really got people to actually like sort of delve into the glass because you don't want to be sitting there just going, oh, yeah, whatever. Like I'm having a chat and this is a drink and I'm just going to get drunk off it. We wanted to be like, this is a drink. This is who it's made by. You know, these are the people. This is a story to go with it. You know, can you taste this? Can you taste the lemon myrtle? Can you taste the river mint? You know, and so once we started talking like that, then people started enjoying the drink a lot more. And instead of being a... I'm, I'm just getting drunk. It was a very much like, oh, this is an actual experience. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's an experience, and, and and it's something that you that you should you know appreciate. You know, like the the work that goes into make it, and and because you know a lot of these Australian spirits, like they are they're small batch spirits, so like they're not making a lot of it. It's um, like you said, there might be one or two people that work at these distilleries, mm. so it's a lot of um, a lot of labour that goes into to bottling these 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 spirits. Yeah, hundred percent. Look, um, a couple of little um, like you know to, to to give you the scale of how big Australian spirits are is um, Australia is just well. Hopefully, this year we as Australian made spirits will be one percent of the Australian spirits market drunk. One percent. One percent. So that's not much, right? That's yep. not much. So Anther Distillery, which is down the road, um, last year, they make as, they make about as much gin. Look, sorry, Bombay Sapphire makes the the amount of sorry the amount of time it takes Bombay Sapphire to make a swimming load worth of pool, an Olympic size swimming load worth of pool uh, worth of gin. Sorry, yep. it takes it takes Anther gin to make a a, um, a bathtub. Full of gin. There you go. So that scale is unbelievable. If you look at um, Jim Beam, for instance, you know, and we're talking big distilleries, worldwide big distilleries. Yeah. Jim Beam, I think they do about three three 325,000 barrels a year. Uh, Blackgate, which is a, a small distillery in Mendora, New South Wales, they make 19 barrels a year. So you've got to think, like, it, the difference is just unbelievable. They, they said, uh, I was talking to um, Chris Middleton, in like 2016, he said the amount of whiskey that was made in Australia in 2016 by every distillery, by every Australian distillery for the year, Jack Daniels makes in around about 13 to 15 minutes. 
<laughs> so, so like you know, like so, we think we think Australian spirits, you know, hundred hundred bar- hundred bottles, you know, a hundred different different. Um, hundred different labels and all this stuff and like it's really increasing and it's really getting big but when you look at it as a worldwide scale you know we're, it's we're, just nothing we're right? nothing yeah we're, and we're getting there we're getting there you know but it's yeah so it's nothing so you know it's it's great so we get to have this special moment with people and you know really talk about what we do pretty unique mm. and uh, i mean look you know that that does that does lean towards why aussie spirits are probably you know more expensive than these bigger these bigger labels because you know it is hard to compete yeah look uh, you know I've, I've been thinking about this a lot and there's there's a lot of um different ways you can look at it look we pay a lot of tax a lot of tax so i got I, I, I got a good story about tax keep going though okay <laughs> what you just paid too much did you one year <laughs> no no i was in so so as a, so i live in los angeles and i went down to my local there's a great local liquor wine and beer store called KNL KNL wines there's one in uh, San Francisco one in Hollywood um, and there's there's two more in California anyway they stock four pillars gin mm-hmm. and you know big fan of four pillars you know you know love the drink go in there pick up a bottle I think it was um, they're selling it for 36 US dollars a bottle which I think at the time worked out to be about call it 50 Aussie mm-hmm. and I'm standing in the middle of Los Angeles in, in the US going this is unbelievable this is a great price for four pillars gin and then i came back here for a visit and it's 85 dollars on the shelf in you know dan murphy's mm. and i was just, i was trying i'm trying to and I, I actually i had a discussion with someone at the distillery about this um a couple of years ago and she was like yeah you know i've got a brother that lives in new york every time i go to visit him i'll just put a few bottles in the mail um oh no sorry sorry other way around he will send it's cheaper for him to send four pillars from new york to her than it is to buy it in in melbourne yeah yeah so look which which drives me crazy <laughs> but it's 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 it, it's hard to it's hard to comprehend but i guess it's all back to to the to the heavy taxes right yeah it's government lobbying really um look yeah in australia in in america they per bottle of like 700 mil um bottle 440 percent they pay about a dollar in tax we pay 25 dollars around about Jeez, um, in in tax and then GST on top of that. Yeah. So you can think like that's a, that's a lot of cash straight up, you know. And you know the tax the tax things are taxing. Look, wine doesn't pay that much because they've been, you know, they've been increasing the industry and they've been doing really well and they're a billion dollar industry. You know, Australia's still in the million dollar industry. So the the, the spirits so, category. Yeah, spirits category. So we we need to, we want to get bigger and we want to see an export and that sort of stuff. You know, so if the Australian government can see that that we're doing really well then, you know, we'll, we'll hopefully start seeing different tax breaks. But I think with beer and wine, you know, um, that's always been, you know, been pushed politically, whereas spirits has just been left behind as, you know, something that people drink and get really drunk on. So it, we'll, we'll change that. I, I, look, I think the tax thing is a big one. Yeah. But I don't think it's the main one. I think, um, you know, as I said, most of these are made by, by somebody, right? And if you if you bought a property in 1777 or you know which is which is Bowmore over in Isla, you know if you bought that property in 1777, you probably paid it off by now. You know and you're probably not paying for rent. You know, <laughs> whereas whereas if you're you know if you're if you're a distillery in Melbourne, you're paying rent on your on your land. You know, or you've just bought the building, so you're paying all that sort of stuff off. Um, also, like there's ten distillers in Bombay. And there's you know, and they pump out all that all that gin. 
Mm. And in Starwood, there's about 10, ten distillers as well. And they, they pump out not even, you know, not even 1% of that. So you're putting a lot of those wages in there too. Yeah. And so, like, and yeah, so we're, we're really comparing, you know, uh, with overseas products, a lot of overseas products, we're really comparing IKEA, and I'm not saying in quality, mm-hmm. I'm just saying, you know, in, in business-wise, you know, whether you get an IKEA chair for 20 bucks or you go to a local place and someone's hand chiseled it out and, you know, made it for you. Like, that's the difference between Australian spirits and, and overseas spirits. And so if you look at it that way, I think there's a, you know, it's, they're not just there to be drunk, they're there to be savoured and chatted about. And yeah. look, I think, you know, Four Pillars, which we should talk about always because they're doing such an amazing job. But Four Pillars, Never Never, Archie Rose, Starwood, these big distilleries are doing amazing things for Australian spirits and, and they will get there, you know, being worldwide and, and you know, and being really competitive on price. And, and you know, uh, 78, Adelaide Hills as well. You know, they're always they're, – they're going to bring the price down and they're going to do really well. But um, I don't think when, – when we're talking about little tiny products, I don't think we can sort of put it in the same category as price because that should be something you're not really looking at. You're really looking at that story and the chat. Well, that's it. I mean, yeah, you can't you can't expect to you know to to tell a story of you know there's a guy down the street that that makes ten barrels of this whiskey a year. Oh, and by the way, it's only thirty five dollars a bottle because mm. then it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I, I think that's it, mate. Just more more hand contact, more more people working it. So yeah, I think it's I think it's pretty cool. And you know, the prices will I think will slowly come down um, as we get older, as we sort of mature as a as a as a um, as an industry, as that market market growth builds, yep, prices should prices dip should. a bit. That's what I think. Yeah, yeah. And yep. then the tax, the the. Do you think that that tax level should come down the bigger the industry gets? So, like, I mean, because yeah. you wouldn't but, think the government would ever like give anyone a tax break. Yeah, exactly. But if but if the if the industry grows and then and then the taxes can come down, I guess it's just balancing out, right? As you go, yeah, exactly. Look, and I I I personally think that um, you know things like rebates or helping the industry would work out well. You know, you, you very rarely get people, or you very rarely get um, governments giving a tax break. Mm-hmm. But you know, if they want to invest in it, and you know, we've talked to a few um, politicians now, and the Australian Australian Distillers Association does amazing lobbying for the government um, on this, where we can do other things. You know, we can put money into local local distilleries. We can put, you know, we can help them with grants and that sort of stuff. And that would be a better way to look at it, I think, because then we're getting more product. You know, we're getting more recognition, you know, and these little distilleries uh, can go can go that step bigger. And I think that's the way to go, you know, like instead of just, you know, trying to push on tax breaks, I think we should try and try and really build the industry through like government incentives. Yeah. I think. <laughs> I mean, and, and, I mean, and with that comes comes more jobs, right? Like, you know, yeah. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, and, and the best thing is now is, you know, as I said, every holiday I go on, you know, we always go to a distillery and we went to Bright for my mum's 70th the other day and we went to, you know, um, Backwoods Distillery and we went to Yak, Yak Creek Distillery in Yakandanda and both of those are these beautiful places that make whiskey and gin and rum and, or, yeah, yeah, and they just, they just like in the middle of nowhere or in this little tiny town, you know, and you can go there and just get this really lovely taste of stuff. So 
I think that's really important, you know. And then there's a couple more people getting jobs in the, in there. You know, mm. you go out to Hillsville now. There's what a thousand people working at Four Pillars. Well, there's probably not. There's probably, <laughs> <laughs> but there's a lot. There's a lot. There's, a lot, yeah. there's a lot of people working for Four Pillars, and that's really energised that town. And and know, they're, they're, they're just a announced of, a big uh, a big expansion, right, of the of the distillery up there. Yeah, they have. Yeah, yeah. So they're doing really well, mate, and lovely people as well. So. Yeah, so I think that's the way to do it. You know, if we can if we can do rural jobs or regional jobs, that's fantastic, and that's mm. what the industry wants to do. Because we, I think, as a community, as Australian distilled, uh, as Australian spirits, we want to be a really strong community in Australia, and we want to be. And the best thing is, is you can do it anywhere. So yeah, we can do it rural, we can do it regional, and we can do it, um, you know, in the suburbs, or in the towns, or yeah, in the cities. Sorry, it's funny. You, you I think you were about the fifth person since I've uh, been back in Australia that, that has mentioned Bright and the, and the way that that town is just, it's blowing up with the quality of food, the distilleries you're talking about. Mm. Um, yeah, well, there's, there's Reed & Co right there. There's a brewery right there. You know, everyone, brewery, yeah. yeah, it's awesome. Like, Bright was really good. We went up there and, yeah, everyone's sort of mountain biking or walking or cruising around. And, yeah, there's really good food, really good drink. It's Yeah, it's really cool. So um, so let's shift to, to Bad Frankie, mm-hmm. where, we're, where we're sitting right now. You, yeah. can, you can probably hear the trams of uh, going past on Smith Street. So you opened in 2014. You had how, how many how many bottles behind the bar when you opened? We had eighty bottles behind the bar, yeah. And how many do you have today? Uh, we've probably got about six hundred and six hundred and fifteen or something like that. Shit, the bed. That's a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of spirits. A lot to get through. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I get it. I get in trouble from uh, from my wife a lot for having so much money behind the bar because <laughs> I get so excited about buying different different you know spirits. But I mean, yeah. is, is it pretty hard to like if if, if because you know, you are Australian focused only? Is it pretty hard? Do you ever knock anyone back? Like if someone comes in and says, "Oh, look, you know, this is, this is something new. It's a new Australian spirit." There's obviously not. I mean, there's there's more and more of them today. Mm, but mm, mm. is it just like, "Yep, I'll take it," or is it a bit more? You know, let's let let let's talk about it. Yeah, look, we we really want to take as much as we can. Um, uh, and at the first at the start, we took whatever we felt like. You know, what yeah. I mean? and we probably took most things. Um, now we're probably taking a little bit less, but we do want to get representation from most or every distillery. Um, you know, and that's and that's a you know because we want to see how it goes. We we definitely always taste it and, and see if it if it works, and then if it does, we we want to get it behind the bar. Yeah, but we we want to try and push as much as we can, and and you know as long as people drink it, then you know it's a real reason to have it behind the bar. And you know the 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 bar business is 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 a tough business, but 2014 you, you're still here. You've had a bit of, a bit of success along the way, haven't you? Yeah, With, um, you, you've 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 been awarded. Was it best uh, best small bar? Best small bar, yeah, bartender magazine. So that was yep. that was a real, that was a fantastic, fantastic little uh, thing we got. Um, yeah, so we've been really lucky, you know. We've been the good food guide, and yeah, got got a couple of awards along the way. And we've been really lucky with that sort of stuff, and and it's been really good, you know. Like the seven years has been wonderful. We've really tried to work on a community is 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 what we sort of really aim for. So you know our staff are all our family. You know, like we really, we really want to try and work work really well with that. Um, 
and and we love it you know like i always thought this was my lounge room and, and when when we were setting it up i sort of said to ellie like i want this to be my lounge room i'm going to be here 50 hours a week <laughs> like so so let's You'd love that <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> so let's um you know let's really make it comfortable and that's what that's what i think hospitality is you know you welcome people in you know you start a conversation and you build from there you know and so we get people in who come in you know every couple of days we get people who come in once a week we get people who come in once a month we get people who come in once every six months we get people who have come in two or three times and hopefully they always feel like they're welcome and feel like you know it feels like a bit of home for them and that's and that's what we really really pride ourselves on and really want to work at because hospitality to me that's what it is have you have you have you discovered that have you become a bit of a destination in terms of because because you are so Australian focused? Like, I mean, are, are there other bars in other you know in Melbourne or in other cities in Australia that, that that are doing just Australian spirits like you? Yeah. So the last couple of years, there's been some some really good ones pop up. Um, so um, uh, Rosebarm and Fuller in um, in in Sydney and 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 Dulcies as well. They've been they're Australian focused as well. They're doing really really good things. Mm. Um, couple in Queensland, you know. Um, a couple over in WA, so it's really becoming a thing, which is great, um, and so we're really proud of that. Um, I suppose we we probably have been a destination for bits and pieces, um, and we sort of we would love to be a destination for people. You know, like you can come in and, and taste different gins and taste different whiskies and taste different rums and and really get a sense of what's happening in the Australian spirits market. Um, and to see it as well is a really important thing as well. Like you can yeah. look at the back bar and go, "Holy shit!" There's a lot, you know. So we really, we really like that sort of stuff. Um, but then, yeah, like then also we just want to be a community as well. So we want to just have those regulars and have those fun people in because we find that if we've got regulars in, they set the vibe, we set the vibe, you know, and everyone's having a great time and everyone feels like it's so comfortable and relaxed that when someone comes in for the first time, they look around and everyone just feels so comfortable that then they start feeling comfortable. You know, so I think that's what we sort of pride ourselves on. But yeah, I think at times we've been destinations, which has been good. And what's your? I mean, what do you gravitate towards as as a drinker in terms of Australian spirits? Like, what are your? You know, give give, give me your. I don't know. Let's make a top five. <laughs> we won't go top tens. Probably too too many. Top three is probably too too few. <laughs> yeah. Look. So I'll. Um Whatever's in front of me is the, is the thing that I'm drinking. <laughs> so look, I, I obviously I have such a such a varied thing, and I, I re- really like I, I really like a, a time and a place. So you know, in the middle of gin, I'll be drinking a, a excellent gin. In the middle of winter, I'll be drinking a fantastic whiskey. You know, um, I'll be drinking brandies all the time. If I'm starting a night, I might have a little absinthe to start with, or a vermouth to start with. Yep. Um, yeah. So and then you know, and then I'll drink some rum, but. Yeah, you know, I would. I would probably regularly drink through the whole bar. As in, you know, I, I never really, I never really have a favourite. I never really just stick with one product. I'll just casually drink it all, um, which I really like. You know, so as I said, like you know, we've got all these stories. And if you're sitting next to, the, like, if a distiller walks in, or if someone who is is with the brand walks in. I'll drink it with them, and, and it tastes so much better when you're drinking it with somebody who works there or who's made it. It's that's that, that that's a very diplomatic uh, answer you've given there. So you've <laughs> you've kept all the local dis, uh, distilleries on side. There's Look, there's there's no there's no favourites. No, that's right, mate. I always like to sit on the fence. That's my that's my main place to sit. <laughs> so, um, yeah, sorry, excellent. I, I would not give you the. Oh, yeah, I don't know about the top five. <laughs> I, we do have it. We do always. Um, 
do a chat in here. I always I try and have a lot of random questions just lined up just in case. And one of them is name your top five ways to cook potatoes. Name your foot. Oh wow. Yeah. I like this question. It's good. It can go on for a while. <laughs> but it's yeah. Hang on, I'm, I'm gonna answer this. So top five. Yep. In so in order. Well, yeah, you can do it in order, yeah. Mash is probably my number one. It's good. A potato like gratin. Oh yeah. It yeah. would be probably number two. Yeah, it's good. Oh, I, no, I, I, reorder. French fr- French fries, number one. Yes. Mash, number two. Yeah. Potato gratin, number th- num- number three. Yeah. Probably baked potato, number four. Yeah, yeah. Is, ba- is baked and roast the same? No, I, I, I wouldn't categorise it the same. Yeah, right, okay. Good call. And then, no, I, I'd, I'd switch that. Roast potatoes, number four, baked potato, number five. Yeah, right. So yeah. new potatoes are out. Don't rate new potatoes, just boiled potatoes. It's... It's da- it's down the list. It's down ja- the list. Jacket potatoes? No jacket potatoes. Well, that, that, so like I, that, that's what I classify as, as like a baked potato. Ah, oh, right. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. That's good. Yeah. What about what about hash browns? They're not in there. Nah, not nah. Potato nah. tots or nah. potato gems? Nah, nah. Scallops or potato cakes? Wherever you're from. Good call. It's so good. hard, isn't it? Missed missed that one. Good oh, call, but it's, it's a good one. It's a very good first date question. We often ask um, Tinder dates who come in. We often ask that question. <laughs> <laughs> it opens up. You can't be right. You can't be wrong. <laughs> I, I, I think you've just sparked an, another idea for a, for an, a new episode of the Dish Pig. All about. I tell you what, I've got a lot of useless conversation material. <laughs> don't worry about that. <laughs> all about potatoes. Yeah. Um, I mean, and, and you know, what, what's what's the general customer feedback been like? You know, do you do you get the occasional person that comes in? And it's like, oh, you know, get, give us like a beam and coke, and you're like, no, 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 we're just Australian spirits here. And he's like, no, nah, come, mate, just like, yeah, definitely. We get a lot of a lot of those people in, you know, like a lot of people who, you know, um, we've got some fantastic restaurants, Hell of the North, just next door. Like, you know, um, we get a lot of these sorts of places, and and we find that there's, you know, someone comes in from the from like the suburbs or somewhere, and you know they've been dragged in dragged in by their partner, and you know they just want a VB or something like that. Mm. And you're like, well, look, we've got local, we've got local Melbourne beers. You know, how about this? What what do you usually drink? Is what we usually start with. You know, so if someone says oh, I've got a Jim Beam and Coke, we go, okay, no worries. Look, we don't do Jim Beam, but we do have Starwood, and and you know we can do it with soda or something like that. Have you tried it? Blah blah blah. You know, and that sort of stuff. And then so you. I think the thing is, is I find when people are not aggressive, but you know, sort of, um, they, I think aggression and worried is 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 the similar sort of characteristic. So, mm. you know, I think what you what we've got to try and do there is break down barriers. So, you know, so if someone comes in really worried, it's usually because they're in a very unfamiliar place, like a little cocktail bar in Fitzroy. Yeah, is a very very nervous place for a lot of people. Like I went to Dijon Jeans on um, Sydney Road yesterday, I felt very uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> I walked in, I felt super old. You know, everyone was on the Instagram. I was like, you know. So, but so I think we've got to always think about that, you know. Like so when people come in and they're, you know, they're aggressive or they just want what they want, that's fair enough. You know, they've drunk it their whole life. So what we've got to do is try and turn that around and, and we try and spend a bit of time with those people and say, look, you know, why don't you try this? This is slightly different. Or yeah. and we don't want to go outrageous, you know. Like if someone wants a lager, we don't go, oh, here you go. This is a triple hopped lager from blah, blah, blah. Yeah. We go, okay, great. You want a beer that is just super casual. Fantastic. Drink this. So, yeah, I think that's that's what we try and do. And you mentioned something about, you know, breaking down barriers and, and it is, it is it, it, it's an education thing, right, which is something that takes – a long, long time to do to get from one person to the next, for, you know, like word of mouth. Whether it's mm. doing a podcast, whether it's you know, 
putting stuff in, you know, that, 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 that gets published, you know, anything online, it's, it actually takes a long time to educate yeah, people about new products, new ways to, you know, to drink things, to, you know, to use things like that. Yeah, 100%. Like you look at Bill Lark, he's been doing it 25 years. He's, him and Lynn Lark started it in their lounge room or their, you know, their, their shed you know, in 25 years ago. And they've just been sitting there chatting away since then. And because they've been lovely, because they've been approachable, because they've really enjoyed what they're doing, then we've slowly built and built and built and built. And, mm. you know, that's that's the good thing about Australian spirits is we just slowly build and build and build, you know. Um, yeah, it's not – I don't think it'll be a trend. I think it's just a, a thing that stays now. Um, and, yeah, people just keep wanting to drink Australian spirits or and we keep liking it. And, and what we've found is the community is great. You know, everyone's trying to do the same thing. You know, as I said, we're 1% of the market. We want to get to, say, 10 or 15% of the market. You know, so – and that'd be that'd be huge. That'd be huge, yeah. yeah. So we're not we're not trying to we're not trying to take it off each other. You yeah. Know? Like, you know, Starwood's not, um, you know, fighting with Archie Rose. We're all sort of going after the the big guys overseas. We just want people to drink local. So that's the best thing about the Australian spirits market. We all have a, a conference once a year, the Australian Distillers Association conference, and you know we all get along. There's you know there'd be three or four hundred people there, and we all just have a chat and have a laugh and. You know, we really want to work together to make the Australian spirits better. And Bill Lark has a, has a good saying which says, um, when the river floods, all boats rise. And that's what we want to do, you know. So we all want to work together and we all want to push the Australian spirits market. And then so we're all drinking Australian spirits. So That's fantastic. Hmm. So what's, um, what does the future hold for, for Bad Frankie and like, you know, your path as, as a bar owner and... Yeah, so well, you know, what do you see down the line? Like, is there is there some growth that you're you know looking towards, or what are you thinking? Well, we're sort of thinking different things. So, um, so we actually put it on the market uh, about a year ago, just uh, just before COVID hit. <laughs> the bar, the bar, yeah. Oh yeah, wow, yeah. okay. So, so then that was a that was a purely personal reason. So we um, we just had two little kids, Mabel and Lenny. Mm-hmm. Um, so Lenny's about eighteen months now, two yeah, nearly two, and Mabel's about four or nearly four, so she's three and a half. Um, and so we just, I just wanted to spend a bit of time with those guys, um, which was really, really exciting. I was going to be a stay-at-home dad. And yep. then, you know, then COVID hit, so um, we've still got it. Um, and we're, we're super stoked about it, you know. Like, um, we've got a really wonderful team, um, you know, and um, really fantastic manager now at the moment, Oscar. And he's, like, absolutely dominating. So we're really happy to keep it. We're really happy that it's cruising along. Um and so, yeah, so we just want to keep doing what we do, which is, you know, push Australian spirits, be an excellent bar, be as best we can. So, yeah, that's what we want to do. Um, yeah. Perfect. And that's it. And then, you know, and then we just want to try and help the Australian spirits industry as best we can. Well, Seb, this has been educational, which is number one, and it's been a bloody good chat. So thanks for, uh, thanks for joining us. I appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks, Dick. Thanks, <laughs> Dick.